Welcome to Top House Sports, where we analyze and break down sports games from the week, as well as our reactions and predictions from this past week. I'm Hansel Chu, and we have a lot to talk about, so let's get started. So first of all, the NBA trade that has been very, very well surrounding the entire league. Kyrie Irving just been traded to the Dallas Mavericks in exchange for Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, and a couple of first and second round picks to the Brooklyn Nets. And let's talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly with this trade. First of all, for the Dallas Mavericks, Luka Doncic finally gets the help that he desperately needed. And ever since Luka Doncic has stepped foot in a Dallas Mavericks uniform, all of the cries have been, get Luka Doncic some help. And finally, the Dallas Mavericks and Mark Cuban finally pulled the trade to send Kyrie Irving to the Dallas Mavericks. And with this trade, Kyrie Irving finally helps Luka Doncic take off some of that pressure and relief on offense. And we all know what Kyrie Irving does on offense and what he can bring to the table. Kyrie Irving is a master on offense, can score at will, and has an array of moves not many people can say that they have. Kyrie Irving, a three-level scorer, can finish at the rim, can finish in the mid-range, and a very efficient three-point shooter as well. And he could also play make the basketball whenever he needs to. And on top of all that, Kyrie Irving is a very clutch player and has that killer mindset that now paired with Luka Doncic, they are not going to shy away from the pressure when it comes down to the clutch. And for the Mavericks, Luka Doncic now doesn't have to be the superhero all the time when the games come down to the stretch. Before Kyrie Irving got to the team, it's always been Luka Doncic, give Luka Doncic the ball. Whenever the whenever the Mavericks need a play, they need a bucket, the game is on the line, they always say, give it to Luka, clear out the way, let Luka cook. But now, Kyrie Irving is now on the team, and now Luka Doncic doesn't have to feel that pressure of scoring every single time down the stretch. And that would definitely open up this offense for the Dallas Mavericks. Because now, opposing defenses cannot focus just on Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic is similar to James Harden in 2017, 2018, 2019, where James Harden was the guy on offense. He was doing everything on offense. He was a guy scoring and playmaking, and he was basically the engine for the offense. Luka Doncic was that same player, but now with Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving can definitely relieve a ton of pressure off of Luka. Now, down the stretch, opposing defenses cannot just focus on Luka Doncic. Now, they also have to focus on Kyrie Irving, because we know Kyrie Irving can stretch or can score in the clutch, and he will not be stopped in the clutch as well. So, this will create so much traffic, so much confusion, and it's going to have defensive players, defensive coaches scratching their heads on what to do now with Kyrie Irving on the team. And besides that, the role players now have a chance to step up that haven't gotten a lot of minutes. Now they have a chance to prove themselves, such as the rookie Jaden Hardy and Josh Green, who both put up 29 points in a win against the Utah Jazz Monday night. And on top of that, they managed to keep Christian Wood and Tim Hardaway Jr. Both very capable scorers can give you 15 points every night, and if they're on fire, Tim Hardaway Jr. can put up 25. Christian Wood can give you 20 points and 11 rebounds on any single night. So offensively, the Dallas Mavericks should not have a problem scoring. And they should be one of the best offenses in the entire NBA. Now with the Kyrie Irving trade to the Dallas Mavericks. Now let's talk about the bad. With the trade for Kyrie Irving, the Dallas Mavericks now lost a ton of depth. And now their best defender is out to the Brooklyn Nets, which was Dorian Finney-Smith. Now the best player on their team in terms of defense is Reggie Bullock, who 
Defensively is very solid, but cannot give you anything on offense. He is struggling to shoot the three ball this year, so he is just there on defense. But when you look at that starting lineup now, it's Kyrie Irving at the one, Luka Doncic at the two, most likely Reggie Bullock at the three, then you probably have to slide in Christian Wood at the four, and probably Dwight Powell at the five. Besides Reggie Bullock, none of those four players are defend are known for their defense. Kyrie Irving, I seen him try on defense, but he is not going to be a lockdown defender. Luka Doncic, if anything, will not try on defense at all. Christian Wood, not a great shot blocker. Dwight Powell, again, not a great shot blocker as well. So the only defender on that starting lineup will be Reggie Bullock which again will put heavy pressure on this Dallas Mavericks team to score at every single possession they have on offense. Not only that though, the Dallas Mavericks last year had Luka Doncic, Jalen Brunson, and Chris Daps Porzingis, which in hindsight now is a scary big three if they kept Brunson and Porzingis on the Dallas Mavericks. And that would definitely debunk a lot of debate if Luka Doncic had help or not, because now Jalen Brunson, now in New York, should be an all-star, snub from the all-star team, averaging over 22 points per game and having a career year. Chris Perzingis having an all-star year this year as well in Washington. Borderline all-star, could have made the all-star team if he was able to. But again, you have two borderline all-stars that were on the team a couple years ago on Dallas. Now they are not on Dallas. They're in their own respective teams. And now Luka Doncic is just by himself with Spencer Dinwiddie who was traded away and... Again, a lot of players that could have helped Luka were traded away or left in free agency, which could say a lot about this Dallas front office. And even with the Spencer Dinwiddie trade last year for Chris Stapp's Porzingis, they still could have had a core of Luka Doncic and Jalen Brunson along with Spencer Dinwiddie, who made the conference finals last year in the Western Conference. Now they added Christian Wood in the offseason. They could have had a core of Luka Doncic, Jalen Brunson, Christian Wood, Spencer Dinwiddie, along with versatile role players such as Dorian Finney-Smith, Tim Hardaway Jr., and Reggie Bullock, who Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock both are great 3 and D players that every contending team needs. And again, last year, they made the Western Conference Finals. And now they add a player with Christian Wood, and if they brought back Jalen Brunson, if they kept all those players, this Dallas Mavericks team wouldn't feel the need to trade for Kyrie Irving because their depth would be really, really nice, a really deep rotation. Luka Doncic definitely would have help with Christian Wood, Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson all able to relieve scoring off of Luka Doncic. However, again, Brunson gone. Dinwiddie gone. Dorian Finney-Smith gone. Now they only have Kyrie Irving, Christian Wood, and Luka Doncic and a couple of role players who are very, very inconsistent. And lastly, about this Dallas Mavericks team, Kyrie Irving's personality is very, very volatile. You don't know what you're going to get from Kyrie Irving in terms of his character. You don't know what drama he's going to bring. You don't know the tension Kyrie brings. And that could go really bad for this Dallas Mavericks locker room. And we don't know how that's going to affect the Dallas locker room or their chemistry with each other. We don't know if Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic are going to get along in terms of personality-wise. Luka Doncic, a very stern killer mentality, has got to have everything done his way. Kyrie Irving, a diva, got to have things done his way. So we don't know if those two personalities are going to clash at all. And we see Kyrie Irving's history of not being the best locker room guy. Let's take it back to Boston in 2018. He had some comments to say about his team throwing them under the bus when they failed to perform under the pressure, under the clutch. 
And we've seen that a lot of players did not really like Kyrie Irving. He brought a lot of attention to that team that shouldn't be there. Kyrie Irving leaves in free agency, goes to Brooklyn. And we all know that Brooklyn tobacco about the COVID-19 vaccine where Kyrie Irving decided to opt out of the vaccine, not take the vaccine, leaving him to not play for almost the entire season during that COVID stretch. That led to many players, many coaches, many fans very upset at Kyrie. And a lot of talks about Kyrie being in trade rumors during that year when Kyrie Irving decided not to take the vaccine. So again, a lot of chemistry issues, a lot of locker room presence, a lot of drama that Kyrie Irving brings now to Dallas. Again, we don't know what drama or attention he's going to bring. But again, that could really backfire for this Dallas Mavericks team who is looking to make a conference finals or a finals run. And now the ugly with this Dallas Mavericks trade for Kyrie Irving. The floor for this team is that this Mavs team failed to make expectations. They failed to make a deep playoff run. Kyrie Irving leaves in free agency. And now the Mavericks are in a worse spot than the Kyrie Irving trade. And this could very well happen if Dallas does not give Kyrie Irving a contract extension. Or if Kyrie Irving declines to accept the extension from Dallas. This would this could very well happen. And again, it's a very boomer bust year for the Dallas Mavericks now with the trade for Kyrie Irving. If they do not make a deep playoff run, we don't know what's going to happen with this Dallas Mavericks team. Luka Doncic could request a trade if they don't make a deep playoff run. Kyrie Irving could very, very well leave in free agency this year. So again, a very boomer bust year for this Dallas Mavericks team, which would lead me to the ceiling for this team. Dallas Maverick clicks on all cylinders on offense, manage to outscore every opponent in every game, and they make an NBA Finals run. That is the very most high ceiling this Mavs team can ever have, and that is a very, very slight chance of happening with how poor their defense is now with no defenders. And on offense, you don't know what you get every single night. Some nights, everyone is clicking. Some nights, none of them are clicking. So we don't know how consistent this Dallas Mavericks offense is, but we're going to have to see it now with the Kyrie Irving trade. And now let's talk about the Nets. Now they have Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie and a couple first-round picks. But now Kevin Durant is now all by himself. And it's very crazy to see. They, a couple years ago, they traded for James Harden to have a scary big three, one of the best big threes in NBA history on paper with James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. Many people and analysts expected them to make the NBA Finals, and win the NBA Finals easily, which was very easy to say with how talented that big three was and the role players that they acquired. But now Kyrie Irving gone, James Harden to the Sixers, Kevin Durant now all by himself with Ben Simmons, who doesn't want to play basketball, and their second best player is Nicholas Claxton, who sets picks, rolls to the rim, and blocks shots. Kevin Durant is now all by himself with no help, Spencer Dinwiddie is not going to be the savior. Dorian Finney-Smith is not going to be their savior. Kevin Durant is surrounded himself with solid role players, but now does not have that second superstar, which is very crucial to make a deep playoff run. And for the best thing for the Brooklyn Nets to do now is to trade Kevin Durant. This experiment has failed horribly. You gave everything you had. You made all the right moves, but it's just bad luck and it just did not work out for you. Now you just got to hit the reset button once again. And now you have to trade Kevin Durant and get as much pieces and assets as you can. 
because you're not going to go anywhere with Kevin Durant and a bunch of role players. You're not going to make an NBA Finals run, even a Conference Finals run. So the best thing that Brooklyn Nets can do, trade Kevin Durant, get as much as he can, and hit the reset button from here. Now let's talk about the Eagles and the Chiefs. The Super Bowl this Sunday and a very anticipated one. The Eagles are a minus 125 and are a 1.5 point favorite to win the Super Bowl this year. And my prediction is that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl. Now let's break down these two teams because they're very, very stark and they're very different from each other in terms of scheming. Let's talk about the Chiefs. Number one, they have the best quarterback in the entire NFL with Patrick Mahomes and the best tight end in football in Travis Kelsey. Their receiving core is made up of very solid very solid role players such as Juju Smith-Schuster, Kadarius Toney, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. But no superstar in their wide receiving core. And that could have been Tyreek Hill, but again, he was traded in the offseason to Miami. This defense for Kansas City looks very great this year. They, I honestly think the Chiefs this year have the best defense they ever had in their entire dynasty dating back to 2017-2018 where they made it to the AFC Championship on the rise with Patrick Mahomes. And this defense is led by none other than Chris Jones who is having a Defensive Player of the Year type season who is getting through offensive linemen with ease and getting pressures and sacks like it's nothing. And for the Eagles... They have a schematic run game with the dual threat QB of Jalen Hurts. They have a receiving core, not used much this playoffs because of how great the running game with Jalen Hurts, Keith Gainwell, and the pro bowler, Miles Sanders. But their wide receiving core is far better than Kansas City with superstar A.J. Brown, the Heisman winner Devontae Smith, and a very reliable tight end in Dallas Goddard for Jalen Hurts to throw to. And non- other than that, the defense this year has been one of the best in the entire league with lockdown corners and a stifling front seven. Names such as James Bradbury, Darius Slay, CJ Garner-Johnson, Ndamukun Suh, Hassan Reddick, Fletcher Cox. All of these players, all these superstars, I'm pretty sure everyone knows every one of those players I just mentioned in that Philadelphia's defense. So how did these two teams match up in the Super Bowl? Well, the Kansas City Chiefs are the number one passing offense this year, and they're playing against the number one ranked defense against the pass, in which the Eagles allow for an average of only 171 passing yards per game, which is very, very, very low. The Eagles have the fifth most rushing yards this year, but they're playing the number eight, eighth ranked run defense with the Kansas City Chiefs. And lastly, the Eagles have the eighth most passing yards playing the number 19th ranked passing defense with the Kansas City Chiefs. So with all those statistics, how is this game going to turn out? Well, two possible outcomes come to mind when talking about the Super Bowl this year. Number one, I see the Eagles blowing out the Kansas City Chiefs as their defense shows why they should be the number one defense in the entire league. Their front seven completely annihilates Kansas City's offensive line and forced Mahomes out of the pocket, kind of like how Tampa Bay did with Kansas City in their 2021 Super Bowl run where Patrick Mahomes had to basically run for his life and basically run 30 yards back just to have a chance to throw the ball downfield. I could see that happening with the Eagles this year as Patrick Mahomes is playing on a injured ankle and he is not going to be playing at 100%. And because of that, 
the lockdown corners of Kansas City absolutely forces Mahomes to have nowhere to throw to, forcing him on the run, and have Hassan Reddick chasing him, and that's going to force Kansas City to not be able to find a rhythm on offense against this great Eagles defense. And this will allow the Eagles to slowly run down the clock, play the game their way, and run the ball down Kansas City's throat, and ultimately win the game in a blowout fashion. However, I believe this is the more likely outcome, which leads me to the second point, a shootout for the ages, as Patrick Mahomes displays why he's the best quarterback in the league and should be a top five quarterback of all time. The Eagles display their star powers on offense, both in the run and in the pass, and both defenses are just unable to find an answer to stop the opposing offenses. Going back to what I just said with the statistics, the Chiefs number one passing offense, the Eagles the number one ranked defense against the pass, the Eagles with the fifth most rushing yards, the Chiefs with the number eight ranked run defense. A lot of those statistics favoring the defenses, but I believe offense is the reason why you score points. And how great both coaches are with Nick Sirianni for the Eagles and Andy Reid for the Kansas City Chiefs. Both of them are masterminds in scheming up creative plays, which both of these defense are not going to be ready for. Again, we all know Kansas City in the red zone, one of the most creative offenses and one of the most efficient red zone offenses this year. The Eagles are not going to be able to find a way to stop how creative Andy Reid is in terms of scheming up a creative play for a touchdown. Same thing can be said about the Eagles. Their running game is so, so dynamic because of the dual threat of Jalen Hurts. He could give the ball off to the running back or he could run with the ball. And even with that, even with the, when he runs for the ball, he could throw the ball if he's still in the backfield. So you have three different level plays. It's called the run-pass option, which they utilize that a lot. That's really going to confuse the Kansas City defense. I really do believe the second outcome with the shootout is going to be what we're going to see in the Super Bowl this year. With both offenses just clicking on all cylinders and the defenses not be able to find an answer. But again, with all this said, I still believe the Eagles are going to come out on top with the score of 35-32, to Jalen Hurts being the MVP of the Super Bowl this year. And finally, let's talk about LeBron James. He is 38 points away from passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the all-time scoring leader in NBA history. And once he does this, he will sit on top of the throne as the leading NBA scorer of all time. And hopefully he does this against the Bucks, which will be played on Thursday night, I believe. And that's just going to be a storybook ending for LeBron. Passing Kareem on his own team when he played for the Bucks. And that's just going to be a storybook way for LeBron to pass Kareem. Hopefully he does this against the Bucks and not against the Thunder. But when LeBron passes Kareem, a lot of people are going to bring up the GOAT debate once again. And the GOAT debate, long here since the dawn of time. But with LeBron passing Kareem in the all-time scoring category, this will definitely bring up another heated debate to see if LeBron is the best player of all time and not Michael Jordan. And my take on this is, Michael Jordan undoubtedly for me is the greatest player of all time. There's no debate about it for me. The reason why I believe that is because Michael Jordan has more has more career accomplishments than LeBron, has a higher career scoring points per game than LeBron, 6-0 in the playoffs, more NBA finals than more more NBA finals wins than LeBron James, and the statistics show that Michael Jordan should be the better player than LeBron James. 
However, on the contrary, people that say LeBron is the greatest of all time will bring up that LeBron is the all-time leading scorer, that he is a better rebounder and passer than Michael Jordan, has more NBA Finals appearances than Michael Jordan, has played longer than Michael Jordan, and all around has a better prime, not better prime, and all around is a better player than Michael Jordan. Now, I cannot compete with that. I absolutely do not dispute that. And I believe those are valid arguments for LeBron to be the better player of all time than Michael Jordan. And for me, the GOAT debate comes down to this. It's a choice of preferences on who or what do you value in a player. For me, I value accomplishments. For me, I value what awards did you bring in your career. And for Michael Jordan, he has a perfect 6-0 finals run. Both of them coming in three-peats. He has better accolades, more MVPs, more scoring titles. And all around, he has more accolades than LeBron James. And I value that more. However, some people might value longevity and how long a player has been playing and how great he has been playing for an extended amount of time. And for that, LeBron is the better player than Michael Jordan because he has been playing for over 20 years, playing an exceptional level for all 20 years, no signs of slowing down, and his accomplishments during that 20-year span is incredible as well. All-time leading scorer now, has more NBA Finals appearances, and all-around a better player than Michael Jordan. Again, that's all due to preferences and what you choose to value in an NBA player. So again, the GOAT debate is never going to die down, and in fact, with LeBron passing Kareem in the all-time scoring list, this debate is going to be brought up once again. But again, it all comes down to preferences, what you value in an NBA player. Some people might value longevity. Some people might value awards. Some people might value scoring more than other people. So it all comes down to preferences and who you choose to be the NBA greatest of all time. But again, what I can say about this though, do not take greatness for granted because you can only see this once in your entire lifetime. Someday, LeBron is going to retire despite how great he's playing. LeBron is going to hang it up in the rafters and we will never see another player like LeBron James ever again. Especially with the younger generation not being able to see Michael Jordan, including me, on live television. We should all be appreciating greatness and seeing the greatness unfold above us. And not making this a debate on who's the better player. But instead, let's just appreciate greatness and take it all in. Because again, we will never be able to see this in our lifetime once again. But that's all we have for today. And for more episodes, check out Top House Sports on Spotify. I'm your host, Hansel Chu, and we'll see you next time.